Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Joanne. And I'm Kim. So today we have a very interesting topic to, to talk mm-hmm. with you guys about. And are we talking about sex, baby? <laughs> <laughs> so today we have with us Dr. Canary, who obtained her undergraduate degree in psychology with a minor in neuroscience and theater from Wesleyan College. She received her Master's of Arts degree from Walden's University, specializing in children and adolescent counseling and sex education. She holds a medical degree from Washington University of Health and Science. She is also certified as a sex therapist by the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists through Modern Sex Therapy Institute. As a medical doctor and sex therapist, she has expertise and experience working with a wide range of sexual and relationship issues. Dr. Canary specializes in working with individuals who have mental illnesses, sex education, discordant desire and infidelity in couples, sexual dysfunction and anxiety, and sexual compulsivity. So listen, y'all, I told y'all this episode was interesting and I am not lying to y'all. It's interesting so much for Kim and I as women and the fact that I'm turning 40 this year, I had so many questions to ask. So although you will hear that Dr. Canary specified her answers towards us, trust me that this information is for anyone and everyone. Mm -hmm. Hi, Dr. Canary. Welcome to our podcast. Hello. Thank you, ladies, so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So are we, because this is such an interesting topic. But before we get started, how did sex therapy pique your interest? Like what got you into this line of work? Oh, my God. You know what? It's it's interesting because when I started out, I didn't think that I'd be a sex therapist. I honestly, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be like an FBI agent, a school <laughs> teacher, like Sex therapy kind of fell into my lap. I was getting my master's actually in family and marriage counseling, and I absolutely hated it. I got to the clinical portion where pretty much we started actually hands-on working with couples. And the couples that I had, they were just, they argued all the time. They were very, they nagged each other. Like they really just didn't want to be married. And I'm, I remember at one point I was like, why don't you guys just get a divorce? And my, um, my professor pulled me to the side. He was like, you know what? I don't think this is for you. This is not for you. (laughs) We're going to have to find something else for you to do. Maybe you don't need to be a part of this program. He was like, uh, his sister was a sex therapist and I had did a thesis on human sexuality. And he was like, you know what? You made your presentation so informing and people were very engaged you should really look into being a sex therapist. And I was like, what is that? You know, I had read sex books, of course, but I didn't realize that was like a real occupation. So I looked into it and I said, you know what? This is something I'm interested in. But I was only like 22 at the time. So I started, you know, I took the courses, I graduated. I didn't do anything with that degree for years. I went on and got my master's in children and adolescent psych. Then I went to medical school and it wasn't until I graduated um, in 2018 that I was like, you know what, I'm going to combine my two passions, psychiatry and sex therapy. And then that's where Mind Body Sex LLC came into play. That's a great combo. And it's much needed. As much as people don't like to talk about it, it's much needed. Yes, it's still very much taboo. 
you have gone through a journey. I would definitely say that. So, you know, it's quite obvious on your Instagram page that you are passionate about everything that you have studied. So I know when I was looking through your profile and reading the captions, you stated on one of your pictures some time ago that sex is just more than physical, it's mental as well. So I want you as a psychiatrist to elaborate on that a little bit more for us. Absolutely. You dug deep because I think that was a couple of <laughs> people always skip that one. And it's it's essential. So I tell people all the time, I counsel couples, individuals, men, women. Actually, I have more male clients than anything. Um, wow. And what we talk about is how good sex is mental. You know, a lot of people think that sex is just purely physical, but especially as women, we need more than just the act of sex. We like that intimacy, you know, we like the romance, you know, Mm -hmm. and you cannot have good sex if you're not in the right headspace. Mm -hmm. And that's what people forget. They forget about the mental because they're not even thinking about their stressful job. Well, they think that they're not thinking Mm -hmm. about their stressful Mm -hmm. job and their kids and what's going on with their mom. But Mm -hmm. then once they get in the act where they actually have to relax, then all Mm -hmm. of that starts to play back in their head. And most people get caught up in their head when they're trying to have sex and they're kind of like wait a second like I can't even relax I can't even Mm -hmm. enjoy this moment because I'm tense I'm frustrated and there's a difference between being sexually frustrated Mm -hmm. and just being frustrated (laughs) and anxious and you're depressed with life Mm -hmm. so that's why Mm -hmm. I always tell people you know if you want to have good sex start with the mental even if you have to go back and start with whatever trauma has Mm -hmm. happened in your life Mm -hmm. because we've Mm -hmm. all had trauma and you know in Mm -hmm. some sense So, you know, going from that and actually healing and not repressing those emotions Mm -hmm. can help you have a better sex life. You know, I'm glad that you said that because while you were speaking, I remember I used to be obsessed with this YouTube channel. I really encourage everyone to look at it. Soft White Underbelly. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. What is that? Oh, my. Let me tell you what it is. Soft White Underbelly is a um, videographer that goes to downtown Mm -hmm. L.A., And he interviews sex workers. Mm. He interviews all these people that, you know, have worked in brothels and sold their bodies and, you know, just asking them about their experience. And so, you know, my question was like, well, all right, Dr. Canary, like, you know, if you got to be in the right headspace to have sex, but, you know, you clarified yourself and you said in order to Mm. have good sex, because, you know, these people, they're just selling their bodies and they're traumatized. So, you know, I, I think that really clears the line of demarcation for people there's difference between sex Mm -hmm. the physical act and intimacy and romance and all the mental aspect of it i really encourage you guys listening check out soft white i think i have seen him i didn't recognize the name but i think he interviewed someone actually sent me that Uh one of my clients actually i think because he had interviewed this girl when she was like 16 or 17 yes and then met up with her again when Mm -hmm. she was older yes i didn't watch all of it i wasn't in the right headspace to watch that it's (laughs) a lot it's a lot go back and look at that because a lot of people ask me about you know sex addiction and i tell them all the time you know even porn it's a job Mm. you know it's it's like it's entertainment so even for sex workers you know, a lot of them, people have to realize there are some sex workers and I'm not talking about people that are sex trafficked. That's right, different. Right. Sex workers, people that actually are doing that and not being forced to do it. Mm-hmm. But just because they're not being forced to do it doesn't mean that they don't have psychological chains in their head. Right. Meaning that they had sexual trauma when they were kids or right. they feel that there's no other job. They don't mm-hmm. have any mm-hmm. qualifications mm-hmm. for any other job. 
Right. That makes a right. lot of sense. That, I mean, I definitely am in agreement with the being in the right headspace. I, having four kids, if I'm working, I mean, it, it could be a lot. But then for me also, it can also be a stress reliever. <laughs> so it can be both, but I have to be in the right headspace because if I'm super stressed and I'm not in the right headspace, listen, leave me alone, sir. It ain't <laughs> happening. <laughs> Um, it's not happening. So earlier you were talking about taboos or we mentioned the word taboo and we're all black females here. Kim and I are from the Caribbean. So hey, I am too. Where? Oh, are you? Where are My you dad from? is Jamaican. Oh. <laughs> where are you guys from? I'm from Jamaica. Oh. Yeah, I'm from Haiti. Oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So then all three of us can understand what I'm about to say. Now, growing up, I can't ever remember, you know, my mom having a sex conversation None. with me. Zero. I know that my friends would say like this birds and the bees stuff that we I heard my friends talking about or that you would see on TV. I'm like, when is that coming for me? Because I, I never I never got that. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would get is like my mom would say, and this is straight translation. It sounds better when it's said in Creole, but she's like, don't let anyone touch your nipples. They touch your nipples and that's it. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Right? So the sex conversation was never had for Mm -hmm. me. When Mm -hmm. I got married, right? The day that I got married, the next day, after my my, my wedding night, it seemed, it was like a 180 flip this lady on me, okay? From someone who didn't speak about sex at all, no words about this is what it's going to be like. This is what you need to expect. Mm-hmm. None of that to how was it last night? You're walking like somebody who's had sex before. Like she was oh going my in, gosh. And, in and I'm like, yeah. again, then tell me, make sure you're pleasing your husband. Oh, right, oh right. I had, I had braces after I got married and there, um, either she or my dad was like, Mike don't have a problem with those braces. It doesn't hurt him. And I was like, oh my gosh, people. Wow. How we go from this, nothing about sex to, because sex is a taboo in the black you were community. Married, so then- it's right. Once you're married, it's kind of like a, even in my, my wedding speech that he did, he told Mike, my husband, the gates are open. Like it's, it's like, wow. a, I mean, they were, <laughs> wow. <laughs> these people, they go from, we're not new talking about anything about sex, but the minute you're married mm-hmm, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a flip, but the conversation is such a taboo. I think that it can be harmful. And I want you to talk about that subject of how harmful can and has it been for us generations. I think it's a generational cycle thing where they didn't have that conversations with their parents and then they go into the marriage, not knowing what to expect. And then they're doing the same thing to us. And so let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's such a complex history. Um, And like even starting from the beginning, because I actually did like a black sexuality class years ago. Mm -hmm. And the thing that they first started off with, of course, we were in our history and our genetics, you know, we were kings and queens. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the sexual repression and the taboo definitely started in slavery. Mm. We were existing as slaves as their sexual like a sexual economy in a sense so mm-hmm. our bodies were used as breeders as concubines you know and then I think one of the ways that the black community tries to deal with this is through what we call cultural disassemblance mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we're just dis- like we're just dis- 
connecting and disidentifying with sexuality hmm. and hypersexual hmm. sexual activity, especially when you bring the church into it. Hmm. And that's a whole, you know, <laughs> I've realized ever since they've also taken this out of school, because when I was in school, we did have a sex ed class. Right, right. And a lot of it was just learning about STDs and keeping your legs shut and not having sex. But it doesn't work. People are having sex. When I was in high school, mm -hmm. I graduated from high school, 06, 2006. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember half the girls I graduated with were not virgin. Right. Right. You know, and now the statistics are even higher. You have teen pregnancy. Mm -hmm. You have middle schoolers giving fellatio in the bathroom. Wow. My 14 year old brother even talks to me about sex and what he hears about it. And, and he just got to high school. He's in ninth grade. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. So it's out there. You know, it's in music videos. If they're going to see it. So my thing is have a conversation, you know, have a conversation with your child, your adolescent, make everything, of course, age appropriate. But there's no need to have that taboo there because what doesn't make sense is you tell your kid to repress their sexual feelings. Mm -hmm, and that's what mm -hmm, we were created mm -hmm. on this earth to do is to procreate. Mm -hmm. Procreate, you have to have sexual sex. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you keep telling your child, you don't have sex, don't have sex. They get to be teenagers. They have all these hormones mm -hmm, and emotions. Mm -hmm, they don't know what to do mm -hmm. with them, bottle them up because everyone's telling them that sex is bad, sex is right. wrong. And then once they get married, oh, well, now have sex. Now please your husband. Mm -hmm. What I found from women a lot of times is it's then hard for them to please their husbands. Mm -hmm. It's been hard for them to be open to their husbands. And then they feel embarrassed that they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I'm actually counseling a couple right now. This is interesting because it's very similar. You know, they're they were both virgins. They waited until they were married mm -hmm. and they're in their late 20s. And now they're trying to have sex. And they don't understand why they're so awkward, mm -hmm. why they're lacking mm -hmm. that communication, why, why, why it's not like what they see in the movies, right. because mm -hmm. everyone wants to have that notebook sex, yeah. right. and, you know, that explosive type of sex. But it's not going to happen when you when you were told from when you were 14 to repress those sexual feelings. Right, right. Hey, everyone. We wanted to pause right here and let you know about matcha. So lately, I've really been into matcha. So without really getting into too much details about the antioxidant content and the possibility of matcha reducing stress, let me say this. When the first matcha craze came around, I personally was not a fan because I thought it was messy. Like it would get everywhere on the counter if you weren't careful and I just wasn't feeling it. But a few months ago, I decided to revisit matcha and found out about Peak Matcha Sticks. Peak Matcha Sticks are individually wrapped, which is something that I personally love because it's a great grab-and-go item. I can put it in my pocket or my purse and grab a bottle of water and I'm out the door in a matter of seconds. Plus, Peak Matcha is ceremonial grade, which basically means that it is high quality. This is important because a lot of the matcha on the market nowadays are low quality and don't have as much benefit to the body. So don't get me started. If you're ready to try the on-the-go matcha sticks, visit peaktea.com. That's P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A.com and use the code NutritionLifestyles to get 5% off of your first order. In my opinion, Peak doesn't disappoint. Let me know what you think. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. So when Joanne first came to me and said, oh, you know, Kim, I think we should have Dr. Canary on the podcast. I really envisioned this podcast going another field than where we're headed now. Uh I knew. <laughs> really? 
You knew I was going to say that. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm going to steer Kim another direction. <laughs> so, you know, you hit on some very valuable points about sex education. So, you know, I was reading this article. It was a psychologist. It wasn't a psychiatrist like yourself. And it said Those that- are very similar. The only thing, the difference is I just prescribe medication. Uh, I have to go to medical school. Gotcha, gotcha. That's just the, yeah, everyone always gets it confused and it's not right. a huge difference. Um, we just go, psychiatrists, we have to go to actual Med medical school. school and we prescribe medication. So psychologists usually refer their patients to us if they need meds. That's the gotcha. So the psychologist in the article was saying that sex education isn't just for teens anymore. It's for adults. So could you define for us what is sex education and why adults and teenagers both need it? Yes. So she is absolutely right. And a lot of times what I've seen is when you're a teenager mm-hmm. and you're not talked about sex, when do, where do you learn sex from? From porn. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. where a lot Your of friends people get their well. sex education yeah. from. Right. And what they realize is what is porn? Porn is acting. And of course, they're going to choose the best looking people. Mm-hmm. They're going to choose people that are well endowed, people that have perfect breasts, a perfect mm-hmm. vagina. Mm-hmm. So right. it creates this disillusion. And I even right. see that with adults, with males. If I showed you guys my inbox, but I'm actually going to start doing that questions that I get from my inbox. Mm-hmm. Men ask me all the time. Oh, I feel like my penis is too small. My penis is mm-hmm. not nine, 10 inches. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's about three point what nine billion people in the world. Half of their penises right, are not even right. nine inches. The mm-hmm. average penis size is about five inches to about six and a half inches. That's mm-hmm. average. So, you know, a lot of that is because we were not taught that in sex education to mm-hmm, really appreciate mm-hmm. our bodies. And sex education, all it is, is the teaching of human sexuality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that includes emotional relations, responsibilities, human mm-hmm. sexual interactions, human sexual anatomy, sexual activity, sexual reproduction, the age of consent, reproductive health, reproductive rights, safe sex, birth control, and sexual abstinence. I hope I'm not missing anything. I think I pretty much covered everything. So that's what sexual education is. And we're lacking that now because I don't know when they stop sex eds in most schools. I know here in Georgia, they haven't had it in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're seeing that disconnect. And as an adult, once you get 21, 22, where you're supposed to feel comfortable in your body, mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. Because you have no one to teach you these things. The parents aren't teaching it. Mm -hmm. The schools aren't teaching it. So you either get it from social media, which has a very distorted view of what's sexy and what's beautiful. That's true. And so that's why I feel like a lot of adults are lacking the bare basics. And that's what I try and teach. That is what mind body sex is all about. And I know it sounds very sexual because the sex is at the end, but that's what I mean when I'm trying to connect the psychiatry and the sex therapy, because I think that people think as a sex therapist that I teach Karma Sutra all day. So they are a little nervous to interview me because they be like, oh, she gonna start flinging dildos. <laughs> no, but I want to educate. My primary goal is to educate and to make people feel confident within themselves and to make that their mental health and their physical health and their self-care is all connected. Let's talk about the parental part of this because you were talking about parents and we were talking about my parents earlier. So now that I'm a parent, I'm trying to do things completely different than how my parents did it in regards to the talk, the sex talk. I want to be truthful with my sons because I have four of them. The oldest is 10. He is now asking questions. Now, my kids are a little bit sheltered in the sense that they don't get to watch everything. I got 
control over their iPads and all that stuff. And so what he knows right now, he's learning a little bit from school, but this year that passed, he was in school anyways. So he didn't learn what he's asking us now from school, from his friends. He learned it in class. So I guess they're learning about animal mating, right? Mm. So he came to ask my husband and I questions and he doesn't call it sex. He's calling it mating. Oh, and I'm like, this I is so scientific. This is so scientific. <laughs> yes, like, I love it. When is the switch going to happen? So he'll he'll ask us questions. And I'm like, oh, Lord, how do I how do I phrase this without going in too deep, but still being truthful with him so that when he does find out more, he's not like, well, mommy lied to me or daddy lied to mm-hmm. me or when his friends tell him something, you know, but this word mating, it's, weird. it's so weird to me when I hear it. He's like, oh, so is that how I have a, a one-year-old? He's like, oh, Jalen, that's how he came about mating, huh? I'm like, <laughs> I love it. But mating oh is a really good word. I feel like mating you is a think good so? word. so? I, I think that's an awesome word, especially for his, he's 10. So mm-hmm. he's aware of what's going on around. He's coming into almost being a teenager. I mean, mm-hmm. once he hits 13, I mean, like I said, 12 year olds are starting to engage in sexual activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the older he gets, you know, the more he's going to learn. But the reason why I, I feel like that's a good word is because still of the taboo around the word sex. And I feel like it's mm. so strong sometimes and it's still mm-hmm. a little vulgar. So okay. I feel like with mating, that is a scientific term. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a great term for a 10 year old to use and even for you to continue to use with him. And because he's already seen the animal videos, I don't know how explicit they got because in animal videos, <laughs> they can be right. <laughs> yeah, they can be a bit much. So I think using that because he understands that using that in context to how it switches over to humans and saying, you know what, you know how the animals mate, we mate the same way, mm-hmm. but we have emotions and feelings and different things like that involved. And I think that especially with males and females, we have to teach them when they're young like that, we have to teach them about how emotional sex is. Mm. Because I think people forget about that. And then you have these 16 year old girls having sex Girl. and they're thinking like, if I give my body to him, he will respect right, me right. Right. Together forever. And mm-hmm. they don't realize how emotional sex is. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot, you know, I haven't gotten to the emotional part of it. I, I don't think I mentioned emotions. I've said stuff like, I'm trying not to be my parents and be like, well, you got to be married. And we know nowadays that's not really happening. So that's would be stupid for me to say it like that. So I'm trying to say, I've, I've tried to say it in a way where I'm giving him information, but not having him be too curious to go let me try it out. I always tell parents, use books diagrams, different things like that, because depending on the kids' comprehension skills, like mm-hmm. I'm a visual person. I like visuals. And my mom, she was uh, oh, she was very detailed. Um, okay. So a bit too much for me. Wow. <laughs> part of the reason why I got into this profession, because my mom, my dad didn't really come from the Caribbean side. He didn't talk about right. it. But mm-hmm. my mom's side of the family, they were very expressive. Wow. Mm-hmm. So my mom, she was like, well, the penis goes into the vagina. I mean, she was, wow. and I mean, she did it age appropriate. I was maybe like around 12 or 13. Once I got my okay. menstrual, having that in-depth talk. Mm. But I think with kids that age, it is important that you slip in the emotional aspect. And also for the parents that do want to add 
I would say I would prefer if you were married when you do this because mm-hmm. it's a very emotional journey. Mm-hmm. Right. There's mm-hmm. a lot of feelings that go along with it. And then bring on the health side. There's mm-hmm. STIs. Right. STIs. Right. There's right. a possibility of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then every year as they get older, have the conversation get a little bit more graphic, ask them if they have questions. And they Mm -hmm. actually on YouTube now, they have informational videos geared towards age groups. So I think they do like 10 to 12, where it breaks down the science of sex. And they're not too graphic. They're actually pretty good, as well as books. And I tell parents, use books, use diagrams, because a lot of the parents I work with, they don't feel comfortable. They do not feel comfortable at all. But I'm like, this is a conversation that has to be had. It has to be had. Would you prefer to teach your child or do you want Carter to be a Megan the Stallion? Right, Right, right. Or, you know, their friends to (laughs) teach them. I'm in total agreement with that. And he's come to me and my husband after we've spoken to him. So that means that right now he's not like embarrassed to speak to us about Mm -hmm. the topic, which I'm all for, for that. I would love it if you could send us these references that you were talking about with the YouTube and the books, because that would be great for us to post and for myself right. to use, because this is, a, I have boys, so it's it's a diff, it's different for me as it would be for my husband if we had girls. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, Dr. Canary, what I'm understanding that you're saying is that sex education is not just for teenagers and it's not just for adults. It's for, you know, when the questions arise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's really for everyone. I don't care how old or young you are. Right. Knowledge is power and constantly learning and being aware because, you know, I counsel people well into their 50s and wow. they don't even know where their clitoris is. They don't know. I actually did. I showed on my uh, Mind Body Sex page today a diagram of a uterus. Um. And 75% of men got it wrong and like 80% of women got this question wrong. And I was shocked. Wow. This is basic. Right. So it teaches me that there's still work to be done. They don't understand anatomy. And I understand people haven't taken classes, as many classes as I've taken just because of the route that I've went. But if you want to pleasure yourself and you want your partner to be able to pleasure you, you have to know the bare basics. Right, right. So I was going to ask, you know, I'm just still stuck on that. People don't know what the uterus is, but you know, as you said, it's the, it's, it's, it's the different route. So I have to wrap that around my mind, but I was going to ask, what is one general sex ed fact that you think everyone should know? Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, that was, that's a really good question. I feel like there's not one. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Is this for any age or is this a specific age we're talking about? All ages. Hmm. I would definitely say orgasms take practice. This is for older people, Mm -hmm. not my teenagers, but um, orgasms take practice. Sex is not like the movies. It's just not, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Mm -hmm. everyone expects sex to be like the movies, but it's not. Learn your human anatomy. Only have sex with someone if you want to. There's so many stories I hear about people being pressured to have sex. Like, Right. Where do we get to that point where women are now giving their body and vice versa? Mm-hmm. Women are mm-hmm. giving their bodies to men, not because they want to, but out of convenience, mm-hmm. you know, because they want to be loved. They want to be liked. And don't be ashamed of your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Porn is entertainment. And I wish people would see it as such. It's, it's mm-hmm. entertainment. Mm-hmm. They have the best lighting. You know, they <laughs> choose the best looking people, the well-endowed, mm-hmm. big breast women well-endowed men. So, you know, don't be ashamed of your body and it's going to look different on what you're going to see in porn. Right. Right. I know that was in porn, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Porn, I think porn is attractive to people because of that taboo we're talking about. It's not talked at home. And right. at school, you get the scientific educational part of it. But then you hear from your friends that sex is this, it's that as a teenager. And so the only place you can see it without, without experiencing it or before you experience it is porn. And then they then they get that false sense of what it's going to be like. And that's why I don't like children watching porn or even adolescents no. watching porn because your son's age is the age they start watching porn. Oh, and no. Ten, really? Yes, ten don't years say old, that. Um, it's <laughs> 10 to 12 is the average, average age. Excuse me. I use porn for my couples that already have a well-established relationship. They have boundaries. Mm. They have communication. They have comprehension. And okay. it's like an exercise. Porn is supposed to be educational in the sense of fun. We need some new tricks and stuff up our sleeve. That's what porn is for. But I don't mm-hmm. like when teenagers watch porn because mm-hmm. then that the blurred lines of rape and sexual consent, mm-hmm. it gets blurry, very blurry in porn. And I know we've all seen it where, you know, you'll watch a video and the woman's saying no and the guy's ripping her clothes off. You right. know, when you see that, it can it can cloud their judgment. It's very con- confusing to them. And there have been studies that have shown university, UCLA, University of Arizona, another university, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, they came out with a survey where they went across the U.S. and they asked men between the ages of 18 to 21 questions. Um, mm-hmm. And some of the questions were like, if your girlfriend is drunk, would you still sleep with her? Do you consider that rape? And it was alarming at how many of them said that even if their girlfriend was drunk, they would still sleep with her. Because that's their girlfriend. And it's like they have ownership of her body. Or if a woman says yes, it could, or if a woman says no, excuse me, it could really mean yes. Um, And if a woman's passed out or if she comes over to their place and says, no, she doesn't want to have sex, but then she sits on their bed, they're still going to try and initiate sex. So it shows you where society has created this monster in a sense Mm -hmm. because it Mm -hmm. confuses men and women because we have to be honest, there are right, women that do right. these things as well, on what yes versus no means. And, you know, I think we can also see that in our society, not only with, you know, the 18 to 21 year olds, but these grown behind men that are in their 40s and 50s that just think that they can grab women by their pom-poms. Right. And, right. you know, get away with it. You know, we recently had one, uh, not going to mention any names, But, you know, when we look at all these trials that are taking place on public media platforms, because Mm -hmm. you're this old behind man and you didn't understand what no meant, like, you know, and I think that can be traced back to the importance of sex education. So I'm so Mm -hmm. happy that we're having this conversation because I was telling Joanne that my husband's 14 year old sister is going to come live with us. And you best believe Mm -hmm. we are (laughs) talking about it. Because, I mean, her mom, yeah, her mom doesn't want to talk to her about it. When they're young, you know, the good touch versus bad touch. Nobody should touch mm-hmm. you down there. Not daddy, not mommy. You mm-hmm. know, you want to start with that because you want to install that confidence in them. Right. But 14, yes. I mean, she probably has her menstrual. Mm-hmm, she has mm-hmm. her, her hormones are raging. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a good conversation to have. And, you know, not making these teenage girls and boys feel that talking about sex is taboo or making them feel ashamed because in our community, you know, we we definitely have a way to make people feel ashamed about just being sexually active, no matter what age they are. If you're not married and you're sexually active, it's frowned upon. Right. Right. 
And that's the old school thinking, especially in the Caribbean. They will shame you to death. They will. So let, let's switch gears a little bit. Supposedly, I'm a millennial. I didn't know that until a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so millennials are turning 40 this year. I'm one of them. 40 <laughs> coming soon, right? So I've heard, like, I feel like in my 20s, I heard like 40 or older women. And I always, I, I feel like it's 40. 40 is the year, the decade of sexual liberation. That's where women are more in tune with themselves. And they are more sexual in the sense that they're, I don't know, is it their hormones that are raging? I mean, I'm sure, Dr. Canary, you've heard this before of like, People saying like women in their 40s want to date men who are in their 20s because their libidos match because women in their 40s are so liberated and hormones raging. How true is this? There is quite a bit of truth to that. So, I mean, technically men hit their sexual peak when they're like 18 to 20 something. Women also actually have a sexual peak in their 20s where they notice that like their hormones and everything are raging, but in their forties as well. So those Mm. sexual peaks actually don't start in, well, they start and they stop, they start and they stop. That's how it goes. So most people just think, Oh, you know, women in their forties, that's the only time to hit their sexual peak. No, you're and you're honestly just getting warmed up in your forties because women in their fifties, a lot of women, once they hit menopause, they start having their sexual peak and they want sex even more. I have a couple of really, yes, I have two clients currently that are, I think one's 53 and one's 55. And they're telling me how they're yearning for sex all the time. Yeah. They've already hit their menopause. So that's why I say when you're just, when you're in your forties, you're just getting warmed up. There are hormonal changes in your forties. So that Mm -hmm. can cause sexual arousal desire to either plummet or to skyrocket with your physical activity. But a lot of times that is when women feel confident enough to try mm-hmm. kinky things, to mm-hmm. role play, you know, to watch erotica together. I've, a lot of women tell me that once they hit their 40s is when they truly start to feel comfortable, you know, in their body. Mm-hmm. I can believe that, especially for people who grew up very conservatively or it was such a shame. Sex talk was such a shame. I could see that. But then you just have to be careful, too, because the estrogen as well starts to plummet a little bit, typically for most women in their Mm -hmm. 40s. So then you have the vaginal dryness. You know, I was just going to ask that. Is it because there is like a hormone shift? Like, is the testosterone just a little higher and the estrogen decreasing? So is that the reason for? Yes. So you have this um, decreased um, what we call progesterone. So you have a decrease mm-hmm. in that. You have a decrease in the, in the estrogen. And that's pretty much a lot of times what helps you really desire sex, if I should say. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, when your hormones and stuff are fluctuating, that constant fluctuation, then you're going to start to have that that vaginal dryness, the cr- decrease of sexual arousal or desirability. But honestly, you can have some of your best sex in your 40s to me. Because I feel like that's when most people are kids. So they're not going through their body changes because everybody thinks it's your 30. But I'm like, if you think about it at 30, you're just really finding employment. I mean, I was right. Right. You're just really finding yourself in your 30s as a woman, that confidence. You're just really starting to make money. You're about to have kids. You're getting married. 
You know, mm-hmm. most African-American women are getting married by 35. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, when do we have time to be feeling sexy and all this stuff? <laughs> right. so much going on. <laughs> right. Uh, 40s is it's the true, you know, sexual peak because you've already had your kids. You're in right. your career. You're probably already married. So, you know, that's when you truly feel that confidence. And your cardiovascular system in your 40s, I will say, is very essential to maintaining your sexual functioning. So I tell people in their 40s, make sure you are exercising because mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. everything to keep everything together because your vagina actually can close. I've seen it. What? what? You know what? I read about that. I was reading this book. Was it earlier this week on my audibles? It wasn't reading because I, I don't have time to read. I have time <laughs> to listen when I'm walking. <laughs> and they were talking about it and I was like, locked up. How does that happen? Is that real? Is that scientific? I've actually seen this. When I was a medical student, I had to do rotations and clinicals with a gynecologist. And this older lady, she was, was she 60? Maybe like late 50s, early 60s. I can't remember her exact age. She hadn't had sex in 25 years. Wow. And her vagina literally was like this. Like we could not get it open. And he he had told her, he was like, listen, this is going to be your last pap smear. There's no reason for me to give you any more pap smears. She just wanted one. She wanted to make sure everything was good. But he had told her, he was like, I mean, you're not sexually active. There's just nothing going on. We don't need to give you any more pap smears. But yeah, her vagina was literally like shut down. (laughs) How old you said she was? She was late 50s. She wasn't over 60. So she might either be right at 60 or 59. So there are no exercises that she could do? I mean, yeah, Kegels, um, putting like the Benoit balls up there and everything. Uh-huh. But I think for her, she wasn't using vibrators, nothing. I don't think she had used anything in 25 years. So you can't reverse that if she, for some you know reason, found somebody or decided to start she using She could. Those. It would be like her losing her virginity all over again. Um, oh, but wow. yeah, she definitely could. But yeah, because she hadn't had sex in 25 years it was definitely going to be painful to do that all over again. That is wow. crazy. I can't even, well, I'm learning so much things today. Oh my right. God. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question I have for you is how can women learn to own their sexuality and not be afraid to speak up about what they're looking for in a partner? Because you know, what we see, what we've been taught watching social media and speaking to people, it's like, Men own their sexuality more than women. We're just, you know, supposed to be sweet mm-hmm. and calm and sit in the background, you know, wait to be called upon. So how can women <laughs> really take a stand with that? You know, what? I, I love this question. This is such a good question because I feel like more women need to do this. And I always tell women by getting to know your body and advocating for what you want and you need. Mm-hmm. As women, I feel like we constantly put our needs and our wants on the back burner, whether that's for our mm-hmm. husband, our children, family, but we can have more empowering and satisfying sexual experience, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. have to one, learn your own body, mm-hmm. learn what pleases you. So, you know, learning what brings your body pleasure mm-hmm. and approaching the conversation with your partner. If you're not being pleased, approaching the conversation with your partner and being open, being straightforward, right. even maybe being a little playful because, you know, guys, they don't like anything too serious and they want to run away <laughs> sometimes. So, you know, just being like, hey, babe, you know, I want to have a conversation with you about sex or, mm-hmm. you know, how we can spice things up a little bit, but be straightforward. Mm-hmm, and that's where mm-hmm. I think women kind of struggle with, with the things that we want and that we need is we struggle mm. with 
being vocal about it and being straightforward mm-hmm. about it. But you know, men, they a little slow sometimes. You uh-huh, uh-huh. like A, B, C, D and break it down to them because they right, don't understand right. we be, you know, making all them turns and stuff like that. They get lost. Uh-huh. So just being like, babe, I want to try this. This is how we can try this. Mm-hmm. I've looked into this and this is how we're going to do it. Or I like being touched here and mm-hmm. in this way and visually showing them, you know, don't shy away from any questions that they may have. And just let them know what you like. And even using nonverbal clues, you know, because mm-hmm. some women are shy. Mm-hmm. They might not feel comfortable immediately saying, this is what I want. This is what I like. Mm-hmm. But moaning, you know, or making eye contact with him or touching mm-hmm. him and saying, you know, babe, I love when you touch me right here. Can you do that again? Or I love it when you do this. Can you do that again? And, you know, mm-hmm. also words of encouragement. Right. Also reinforcing your sexual boundaries. I want to see more women do that when they're uncomfortable with something, being honest and open about what you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with, what you won't allow, you know, is very important too. And educating yourself. You know, like I mentioned earlier, knowledge is power. And even as a sex therapist, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly taking courses to educate myself Mm -hmm. so I can educate others. So there's nothing wrong with Googling things. Using lubrication is amazing, especially in your 40s. You're going to notice. And after menopause, you're going to notice that the vaginal elasticity and everything starts to kind of thin out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Water-based lubricant is going to be your best friend. Maintain physical affection. That is so important. And practice touching yourself, ladies. We got to get back to that. There's nothing wrong with touching yourself and knowing what you Mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Write down your fantasies read erotica novels, do some <laughs> exercises and use a vibrator. Okay now. So listen, I can definitely, I've been married 15 years now and I can say that my thirties were my enlightenment years. Cause I grew up conservative as well. But in the last 10 years, I've learned who Joanne was all around with everything that I am. And I'm definitely more vocal now. Okay. So I'm not playing <laughs> games with it. And men like it. You know, men are like it. They do. Um, you know, I do a dominatrix class every now and then. Wow, and really? I tell women all the time, like, men like it when you're a little aggressive with them. When you mm-hmm. just when you're vocal in the bedroom and you let them know. Because a lot of men tell me all the time, and I'm telling their secrets, but they tell me all the time, like, they like when their women are vocal. And they're like, you know, I wish mm-hmm. my wife was more vocal about what she wanted. So I'm not playing a guessing game. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. I wish my wife would take charge and say, babe, do it this way. Like, men they're they're into that they like it mm-hmm. they don't always want to be in charge because remember they're in charge at work and then they got mm-hmm. home also so they they like it when you take charge especially in the bedroom i i believe it and i agree to it <laughs> <laughs> so give us like your top three tips for the women out there that are listening right now to enhance their sex life i know you just gave like a whole bunch of great information mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three tips for improving your sex life. One would be confidence. You have to have confidence. Sex appeal is everything. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can tell when someone has sex appeal and they have confidence when they walk into a room. Ladies, we are naturally born. We're just naturally sexy. I mean, it's just right? something as women, we're beautiful, you know, own that. Whatever, you know, you have on your body, whether it's you have beautiful hair, you have nice eyes or nice lips, accentuate that. Two, I would say make sure that your mental health is intact. Mm. Um, make sure that you have yeah, that's important. really truly healed from your past traumas because 
I know we like to repress and think we're fine, but you will bring your past trauma into your new relationship. I promise mm-hmm. you, we've all been there. We've done it. I'm a psychiatrist and I, and I have a psychiatrist. I call her my grand therapist. Uh. And so even myself, I receive therapy. It's, it's, it's vital, it's important, and it's going to improve mm-hmm. your sex life. And then three, I would say one thing that I see a lot of women don't do that they should do mm-hmm. is really learning what pleases them. And when I say that, I mean, using your fingers, using a vibrator, mm-hmm. using, if you don't feel comfortable with a vibrator, I know some women hate vibrators. They have the small little pellets use that and find where your clitoris is. You can't expect a man to know if you don't, right. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you should know your vulva, where your vulva is. You should know where your lab- labia minora is. You should know your womanly body parts. And that's going to help you know what feels good. And if you explore your body and touch different zones of your body, because, you know, men, they want to lead straight to the vagina. Right. There's the breast. There's even behind the ear. I have a, um, my couples. I have, we have this exercise that we do where I have them kiss places that they probably never even thought existed before, but where there's a lot of nerve endings. So behind the ear, there's a lot of nerve endings, just kissing up along the ear. There's a lot of nerve mm-hmm. endings, even the elbow, the elbow actually. When the you funny start, bone. Yes. It actually feels really, really good. And men, a lot of times, I don't know if you get massages a lot, but if you notice when you get massages, typically the female, masseuse will not massage a man's foot and leg because that's a very actual sexual massage bottom of his feet and I actually learned this in India with their karma sutra they massage their men before they have sex with them and they really focus on the balls of their feet yep the top of their foot and then their leg yes because that helps the blood flow go to the groin wow That's oh my I gotta gosh. ask my husband about that because he's he's gotten massages several times. I know that when I'm pregnant, my masseuse doesn't want to massage. Where is it? I feel like they say like right here in between the thumb and the index finger and my feet. There's different points of my feet. They don't want to massage because they say it will induce labor. Wow. Yes, it can. That is correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of where your blood, there's certain veins located where it increases blood flow throughout your body. Really? Mm-hmm. And that's what we want for the men because the blood flow goes to that area. So we want them to have good blood flow. So I tell that's an ex- exercise that we practice all the time is giving massages because it's also building intimacy. Right. You know? So it's not even about just having sex, but when someone is rubbing your feet, not only does it feel good, it's mm-hmm. going to get his blood flowing and it's building that intimacy. I'm all about connection, you know, and really connecting with your partner. And I think that sometimes we forget that because we're just so focused on having sex, but intimacy is really the best part. Right, right. I think this is such an invaluable information that you're teaching today. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure when this podcast episode airs, like, Grab your pen, grab your paper. Dr. Canary is in the house right. teaching a sex 101 class or mating. Let me mating for those of you that don't like that term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Dr. Canary, if people want to connect with you, if they want to find you on social media, media, if they want your services, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Absolutely. So my personal page is dr.canary, C A N A R Y. Or you can go, if you want to learn more about sexual health and psychiatry, I have my mind.body.sex page. And if you are interested in a consultation, I really, I'm not going to lie, I'm like booked for the rest of the month. Mm -hmm. But um, if you let me know that you heard about it from this podcast, I'll make sure I slide you in. 
but you can go to Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R-M-B-S.com and you can book a free 15 to 30 minute consultation. And I always like to make sure that we're going to be the right fit for one another. And then we can go from there. Nice. Well, Dr. Canary, we thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm pretty sure that our audience will reach out to you to learn more about themselves as well as sex education and more about their individuality and what pleases them. Guys, we thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Until next time, remember to tell a friend to tell their friend about this episode. Do not hesitate to subscribe to this podcast episode and to share it. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.